right. Well, welcome to the first episode of Slice of Life Sciences Real Estate. Um, I couldn't be more excited to kick things off uh, on this first episode, and I'm equally as excited to have Camille White, a friend of mine, on as the first guest. So Camille is a senior associate at Biomed Realty on their leasing team. Biomed is a Blackstone portfolio company. For you that don't know, um, they are they own and operate high quality um, life science real estate assets comprising of 16 million square feet yep. worldwide in major markets like Boston and Cambridge, United Kingdom, San Francisco, Seattle, San Diego, New York, you name it, they're in it. Um, Camille, super psyched to have you and thank you for joining. No, David, thank you so much for having me. Uh, this is such an exciting endeavor that you are starting up and very excited to be on this slice with everyone. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you. Um, do you want to just start off by giving a little bit about the background about yourself, kind of how you got into real estate, how you got into life sciences real estate, and if um, if you were trying to get into real estate or life sciences and those paths kind of intertwined? Sure. Um, so it's a little bit complex, um, but I'll give you the shorter version given that we have limited time here. Um, so I was born and raised in Maine, and as a daughter of two Polish immigrants, I devoted a lot of my childhood to tennis training to compete at the national and international circuits. So um, don't worry, this story is going somewhere. I, <laughs> so I eventually got recruited by Harvard. That's the only way I got in, I swear to you. Um, and so I played Cambridge. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I got recruited by Harvard to play on the women's varsity team, um, which is where my life science career began. My, both of my parents had this traditional Eastern European mindset of one daughter being a doctor and the other a lawyer. So I was honorably selected as the future doctor. Um, so I studied pre-med in college with a major in history of architecture. Um, throughout the four years, I worked and studied in two different labs. Um, the first one was Margaret Livingstone's lab where I tested neurological behavior and visual recognition on rhesus monkeys. And then the second one was the plastic surgery department at Brigham Women's Hospital where I worked alongside world-renowned Dr. Bodan Pomahawk. Um, this is where I studied um, improving preoperative approaches to full facial transplants and being really selective with facial donors for more positive aesthetics and success. Another element to my study in the lab was um, testing immunosuppressant response to full, um, for full limb transplants in mice which I really enjoyed. Um, I actually was doing like microsurgery on little mice um, under a microscope, which is absolutely wild in an operating room. Um, and so I really enjoyed this lab the most where I was also, I walked away with two white papers that I co-authored co on PubMed. Um, but then, you know, kind of shifting towards like the future, um, after my four undergrad years, um, I, you know, decided to not pursue the me medical path. I realized it was more of my parents' passion instead of mine. So the following life revelation, I had a number of odd jobs after college and not knowing at all what I wanted to do. So I was first an executive assistant for an early stage biotech in Mid-Cambridge. I was also a project manager for a small developer out of Somerville. 
And then I was a marketing associate for an architect firm. So I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And then I reached a point that I needed to figure out what I really wanted to do. And I had a great mentor in real estate who told me that brokerage is a great avenue to enter the the industry and kind of mold together my interest in real estate and life sciences. So I began on the JLL Cambridge Life, Science to, life, life Sciences team. Um, and then following, um, I went over to Newmark where I was an associate on their life science practice. Um, this is where I actually really got a flavor of the principal side. Um, we were the agent, we, we were and are the agency broker on the Alexandra's One Kendall Square and Tech Square campuses. And I thought it'd be really worthwhile for me to see what the principal side was. So that's how I ended up on, at Biomed. Wow. Well, that was surprising yeah. because typically when you speak <laughs> to uh, real estate professionals, they do not work on or major in any capacity of biotech in, in college. So myself being <laughs> government. So that is very surprising, but extremely interesting. So you, uh, you found your way into life sciences without yes. being a doctor. <laughs> yes. um, what is, and I guess just to kind of finish off with your current job at Biomed, what is your favorite part of the day-to-day? -day? Because obviously you had you worked at, I don't know, life science, early stage company, growing large pharma company, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. You're working for that company, but I imagine you're interacting with all sorts of different people doing different things, whether it's real estate professionals, architects, yes. um, executives at life science companies. Mm -hmm. What kind of, what's your day-to-day -day look like? And what's your favorite part of that? Yeah, so my day-to-day -day varies in a lot of different ways, but typically it is based on leasing strategy, pushing NOI, and seeing what new partnerships we should be building, whether it be with government bodies, fellow landlords, and or new tenant prospects. Um, and you know me, I am a person that thrives on making connections, even if it doesn't benefit me in any way. So I'm sure you feel the same way. I, I love being a catalyst between two individuals or companies that will allow them to further an idea or thought. I've been able to capitalize on this personality of mine um, pretty effectively in my professional career. So daily, I strive to find new ways to bridge connections between different individuals in the industry and their needs. Um, scientists needing real estate, brokers needing a tennis club to impress a client. Um, it makes me so happy to fulfill other people's needs. And then by far, my favorite task is meeting CEOs of various biotech firms, uh, learning about their therapies, I have a, I'm a bit of a nerd um, and building new relationships that hopefully can implement and program within our portfolio. The tennis, uh, the tennis match didn't go too well for me, but that's <laughs> not why we're here. Um, <laughs> so, so biomed, like we kind of discussed in the in the intro intro. Mm -hmm. um, so you guys are you invest in biotech and life science properties and core life science markets. Um, whether in the UK or the United States, obviously going from an idea that Biomed has, whether it's a lab conversion or a ground up development, from that idea of this is a good idea, we wanna build a lab building here, to actually being a fully leased up asset, there are a ton of steps that go into it. It's not as simple as that. So Biomed, from my research has a leasing team, which you're on, a development arm, financing, asset management, all these different roles within your company. 
how important is vertical integration and are you guys as a team growing in the same direction from the beginning or is it kind of do your job when called upon every step of the way? Yeah, so our vertically integrated approach is a tremendous differentiator for us. Um, Biomed's unique. Uh, we are a vertically integrated platform with, I want to say, 230 experienced life science real estate professionals, allowing us to support the growth, growth of all of our business partners, helping them attract and retain, retain top talent. And by offering a full range of services from leasing to development to property management to facilities, we can assist our tenants at any stage. Um, our experience lives in-house, providing greater control to our team and responsiveness to our tenants. Uh, effective and easy communication is crucial to formulating a concise, impactful lease that will benefit both the tenant and the landlord. So kind of in some way, summary, um, this fully integrated platform really builds that full transparency and integration in order to successfully build from bench to bedside at the end of the day. And when you say, I guess, tenant and the landlord, I think that's important to kind of know. It's not just, I guess, from my experience, the landlord builds the building, converts the building, whatever it is, and then the tenant moves in. There's a true partnership and level of trust that goes into the ownership side, but also the tenant side. So when you look at a core life science market or creating these life science clusters, whether in Boston, Cambridge, Seattle, San Francisco, wherever it is, what are some of the complexities that go into building a community, not just a building, to attract and retain top life science and biotech companies? Because it's it's not just the actual building, but it goes way deeper into that with the trust that the company can have and the infrastructure in place, the amenities, the like-minded companies in the area. I imagine there's a ton of due diligence on your end. Um, yes, absolutely. So Biomed has identified um, six strategic core markets where we look to invest in life science and biotech properties. Um, these include Boston, Cambridge, uh, Bay Area, San Diego, New York Metro, the United Kingdom, and Seattle. Um, from my perspective, what I believe um, these markets are characterized by are the critical mass of extraordinary competitive success within the life science industry. We are fortunate to have world class, the world-class sponsor in um, Blackstone, a strong believer of the long-term fundamentals of the life science space. Um, so since 2016, Blackstone and Biomed have been actively investing in developing and modernizing and expanding, expanding research facilities in these core innovation clusters. Um, from our strategy, we prioritize opportunities within our core markets while also keeping our fingers on the pulse on other markets, which we believe will be considered core in a few years um, or to a few decades down the line. There's a plenty, there's, I would say there's a plenty of upside in new markets, but also more risk if they do not take off as expected. That's why our team is surgical from a market research perspective where we have dedicated team surveying, broker events, uh, broker, broker reports, understanding dynamics, where and when we should be pulling the trigger on certain markets. So um, just kind of going back to the vertically integrated, we're doing a lot of the due diligence in-house in as well. So is it easier to expand in a, in a core market that you already have a large footprint in than necessarily 
dip your toes in a totally new market? Uh, I would say so, yeah, because we, we understand the infrastructure that's already in place and the players, uh, government bodies. I think that is the one of the barriers when it comes to, you know, developing it in a new life science market is, you know, the current zoning regulations and what will allow life science to really flourish. So um, being in existing core markets, understanding the government bodies, having those relationships from a development standpoint really helps. And then obviously the other, you know, players like knowing the actual life science companies that are currently in the market, the venture capitalists, and, and then the other landlords as well. Yeah, from a like actual life science company standpoint, obviously I'm more familiar with the greater Boston area than the other markets, but there's so much demand for lab space. So how do you, I guess, if you have 10 life science companies looking at one particular space or a chunk of space in your building, what are the obstacles that you go through to pick which one you're going to move forward with? Because effectively you're committing to maybe 10 years with that company in your building and you're right. investing massive amounts of money into the development but also giving them capital to actually build out the, the space that they're going to be in so how do you guys look at that aspect of we have a blue chip large pharma company versus a series b company that's in high growth mode that the upside is huge but there is a downside yeah, no, it's that's a very fair question. But essentially, um, we look at everyone and anyone. We appreciate the large cap player. Um, like we said, the blue chip players are always, you know, highly sought after because it adds value to the building. But we are also explorers, I've realized internally, um, searching for the next therapy to go to the moon. Um, there's this whole other side of the business that we, as the principal owners, also take an exuberant amount of uh, risk investment, just like biotech's capital partners. Uh, so in any scenario, we are investing in companies' real estate. And before we do, we go through a rigorous due diligence process with our internal finance team to make sure we are mitigating risk and inking a deal with a possible future unicorn. So for example, um, we are more critical with an early mid-stage group. And this is very reflective in these deal structures, where for example, we require a much higher security deposit for a Series A company than if we were to do a deal with a multi-billion dollar market cap pharma. And I'm sure you have these conversations with us constantly about trying to get that security deposit yeah. down. So, um, it's no fun for anyone. I know, time. I know. Um, but Biomed Realty's portfolio, um, like kind of the other angle of it, you know, um, building optionality and scalability, I think, you know, for these smaller users, um, they're at such a high growth mode where it really helps partnering up with a landlord that has a lot of real estate and in different markets so that there's a lot of flexibility and ability to kind of move in and around the portfolio. Um, so that's like a really critical part for them. Uh, Biomed Realty's portfolio allows tenants to grow their business and transition easily between properties as their company expands even into new markets um, given our 16 million square foot uh, purpose-built space from U.S. to U.K. Um, so, yeah. And what do you think, I guess, like in your most successful, and obviously you have a lot of successful life science developments or assets, what are the most common traits of the most successful life science clusters you've developed? And I used to say when I started in 
commercial real estate that you work commercial real estate professional works for you in, in the industry of space and it, in life sciences which i think is super cool and fascinating is that there's such a competition between the actual companies but also mm-hmm. a battle for the actual lab space that it's you work in the industry of people and these companies need to attract and retain talent more than or equally to any other industry so when you look at certain developments and i remember we had a presentation once that you led to kind of go over your assembly square development and the majority of the conversation had nothing to do with the actual building but more Mm -hmm. so everything around it and what you were creating there from an experience standpoint so what i guess the question is what what do you guys look at when you say this is a good spot this is the architecture beautiful design but this is really what's going to attract the tenant to come here and say i want to be here versus two submarkets away yeah so i guess in order to support community creation and curating an environment for like-minded entrepreneurs and innovators to inter- interact you really need to have tailored placemaking and thoughtful planning. So our developments must be easily accessible, whether that's parking or public transit access. From a talent and recruiting perspective for our tenants, they want to be close to leading academic institutions that can fuel their talent pipelines or or close to their peers with employees who may be looking to make a move. Um, and then with regards to sustainability, that this has kind of become a really hot topic. We, we're real, we're always pushing the envelope to adopt best, adopt best practices, um, regularly working towards lead certification to ensure we're meeting the highest possible standards. Um, and then when it comes to actual spaces, we really focus on creating rich amenities that welcome tenants, employees, and visitors. Um, this goes from like robust food offerings with world-class chefs to community programs such as exhibits, indoor movie nights, or networking events. Um, a great case study, like you just brought up, um, our newest development in Somerville called Assembly Innovation Park. Yes, it has a new name, and I'm so pumped about it. Um, <laughs> with indoor movie nights. With indoor movie nights. It's going to be sweet, man. Um, but we will be delivering about 1.5 million square feet of, light, of a life science campus, which is connected by a one-acre park. And we bought this site, recognizing that it is one of the most heavily amenitized submarkets in the greater Boston area, housing over 800,000 square feet of retail in Assembly Row. This is just a block from the on-site MBTA subway, and also right in the flourishing tenant-based cluster, including um, Mass General Brigham's and Puma's new North American headquarters. So when we are building communities, we definitely look at the existing infrastructure of the submarket that can continue weaving and improving over time. We've been very busy the past year with developments like that. Um, in recent news, just off the top of my head, Biomed and your team, have, you acquired a $3.5 billion portfolio from Brookfield. Is that right? In Cambridge? Yes. Yes. That was made the headline, certainly. You doubled your size in the UK. You now have your first seaport presence in Boston. So with all and many, many more, but that's just recent ones that I remember. But mm-hmm. what what are you most excited about kind of looking at the life science market now? It's kind of record highs of 
fundings, IPOs, mergers, and acquisitions. Mm-hmm. And with all this that's going to keep you busy this year, what's kind of the next step for Biomed? Is it continue to grow? Is it let's figure out what we just did and mm-hmm. get them up and running? Or how, how, like how is the team looking at that? Yeah, um, loaded question. Uh, but <laughs> the fact that this industry From has... inside baseball. Also, <laughs> uh, well, I think the fact that this industry has shown American leadership in things like vaccine development also shows the future relevancy of life sciences as a competitive advantage of our c- country. Any region that has a life science sector then becomes a major center of innovation. Um, From our portfolio standpoint, I love the diversity in various core markets. We finally planted a flag. I mean, not not to put the uh, University Park to the side. I mean, that's a wonderful acquisition, everything. But I'm very excited about exploring these new markets. Um, We've planted a flag in Boston area South End, Seaport and Somerville markets. Um, And these are just very logical next core markets that will provide tenants with accessibility, amenities, and scalability in order for them to grow. Well, and I guess to your point about innovation and everything, does that excite you? I know it excites me, but and based on everything you've said and your background at Harvard, does it excite you to know that you are, even though real estate is real estate you are one piece of kind of this company or the next xyz therapeutics company in their step to potentially cure COVID 19 by just being in your lab space and getting to do their science and having trust in you as the owner oh my god it's like pretty mind-blowing um i would say um i am truly um blessed to be in the space um I take every company personally, actually, as I know they are um, in the business of life cha- life-changing work. So this is to get a little bit personal, um, but I think very important. Um, about three years ago, my husband was diagnosed with testicular cancer, which mutated into a very rare form called PNET that spread across his abdomen and chest. And so we spent a lot of time at Dana-Farber um, and Dr. Bradley McGregor's team um, where they were, you know, doing all these various therapies and chemo cocktails, all very experimental. Um, so we were able to really see firsthand the inner workings of research going from bench to bedside. And so I'm just, I just, you know, saw this firsthand and then seeing what I do in work, um, these new therapies and drug discoveries are really a modern day magic yeah. and something that entrepreneurs and innovators will chase forever. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a great point. Um, what, I guess, what, I'm trying to think of how to phrase it, but, well, I guess two more questions with that. That's, okay. that's kind of a tough one to follow, but <laughs> what, what, or do you think with everything going on, and I'm, I'm kind of as in the unknown as anyone else, mm-hmm. do you think the life science market will slow down at any point? Um, if so, when? Because I imagine you have tenants trying to get into your buildings every single day at every hour of every day. Yeah. So curious to hear your thoughts on that. Oh man, I to be honest, I really don't see the market slowing down anytime soon. Uh, 
like you said, COVID-19 brought to light for the general public the critical importance of life science infrastructure, and that demand isn't going away. Um, if anything, it will only continue to increase as the speed of scientific breakthroughs, FDA approvals, and new, and new innovations accelerates. The human civilization will always put health and wellness as an ultimate priority in their lifetime. Who doesn't want to live forever? And this desire will continue to drive demand for new therapies and cures to solve the biggest challenges we face as a civilization. As long as the funding sources keep flowing, biotechs continue to demand top talent, and there is access to lab space, the market will continue to sustain and thrive like it has been. Um, at Biomed, we spend a lot of time thinking about the future for the life science industry. Overall, we, we see powerful forces in the confluence of science and technology. A few things that are on our radar include um, new technologies that are, enable faster research. So CRISPR is an excellent example. An aging population that will increasingly utilize more therapeutic drugs. And then the success in oncology, 50 cents of every research dollar goes towards cancer research. So the short answer is it's not going to slow down. I was hoping you'd <laughs> say at one point the supply is going to outweigh the, the, uh, the demand, but I don't see that being the case. Um, so last question, and I always like asking, and I stole this from a friend, what do you wish I asked you that I did not, with, that I did not ask you about biomed, yourself, or any of the above? Oh man, um, I thought all the questions were a lot of fun. Um, what about like, what's my hidden talent? Like, what's your hidden talent? There you go. Oh man, shit. Uh, Outside of tennis and beating up on brokers. <laughs> oh geez. Um, well, I have this trick where I can whistle with wine glasses you know that whole like miss congeniality scene where she's like dressed as a in like lederhausen and and like the pigtails well and she's like playing with these like glass glasses with water yes i i can do that so wow well ne the next time you're on as 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 a guest as the follow-up when the life science market is, is slowed down we can't have you do that <laughs> put it to the test oh my god don't don't even dare um but david thank you so much for having me on this pod this was awesome and obviously a pleasure speaking to you so thank you so much no thank you um it's great that you were the first guest we're super excited um there's more to come so yes be on the lookout for future future uh podcasts and like us, follow us, and we're excited. But thank you so much, Camille. Um, it was great chatting with you.